St. Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. This is the Afternooner Scholar podcast from Wyoming Catholic College, and I'm your host, Dr. Jim Tonkowicz. Those words from St. Paul can and should comfort us. Nothing happens in our lives or in our world that God does not use to bring about good for his children. His providential care surrounds us. On the other hand, terrible things happen in our lives and in the world around us. Does God will the evil, allow the evil? Maybe the evil's not as evil as we think? Dr. Michael Bolin has been reading St. Thomas Aquinas' Compendium Theologiae with our Wyoming Catholic College sophomores and considering, among other things, quote, all things are governed by divine providence. St. Thomas asserts that, quote, all things are governed by divine providence. Now, what does he mean by that? And maybe more important, what does he not mean by that? Well, that's a big question. I will see if we can explain providence in 30 seconds. By saying everything is governed by providence, I think he means that every, really everything that happens is in one way or another bringing about the ultimate end that God intends for the world. So God initially makes a world because, says St. Thomas, he is good and he would like there to be a likeness of his goodness. And so the world is that likeness. Uh, it's all moving toward its final rest where the saints and angels are in beatitude in the vision of God. And somehow he sees all the activities of creatures are somehow ordered to that. They're somehow helping bring about that final rest, um, which, of course, we identify with the Sabbath rest, which is pointed to in the end of the creation story in Genesis when God rested on the seventh day. So, of course, we don't have the God's eye view of the universe in all of history. And so in all the individual little things that happen, we're probably not going to be able to see how they help to bring about the last end. Now, you had also asked, uh, what does it not mean? So uh, it doesn't mean that everything we can identify just taken in itself is something God wants. So say, he's not saying that God wills there to be sin. He would say that God is somehow uses that to bring about and further his last ends, but he wouldn't say God wills sin as such. And so he, that's probably the most important thing it doesn't mean. But it's also not the same as determinism, right? Right. So uh, typically someone who adheres to a determinist philosophy would also say there's no such thing as free will. Um, Aquinas, of course, would not say that. St. Thomas would say there is free will. He does think that God is the mover of the human will, meaning that God is the first cause of everything. We're not first causes, really, of anything. Um, but he does that through our nature. So it's not, I don't, uh, there's not an easy way I can explain this, um, but St. Thomas would say God works through our nature so that we are free in our actions. But he wouldn't say that we can somehow act apart from God's causality. Those are, that's a very difficult thing to reconcile. Um, we spent, I spent some time, a whole class session uh, with my sophomores this semester trying to work that out a little bit. But uh, I think he would insist on both of those things. And he would say, no, it's not determinism. If that's the way you're conceiving of God as first mover is determinism, then no, don't do that. So I think if you, if you have to take a simple explanation, then, then you just say, no, we still will freely. Um, and 
how God relates to that is a kind of mystery. We could say more about it with more time, but we definitely can't say it in a deterministic fashion. But that doesn't rule out an idea of fate, is that right? Oh, that's kind of interesting <laughs> because uh, Aquinas says about fate, well, a doctrine he, his doctrine is kind of strange at first. He says, well, in a way there is fate, but we probably should not say there is fate. And that sounds odd, but his idea is he's thinking, you could just identify fate with providence. So when St. Paul says, we know that everything works together for good for those who love God, St. Thomas would say, yeah, that's providence. It's what we were talking about a minute ago, how God uses everything to bring about his ultimate goal. And if that's what you mean by fate, then he's happy to say there's fate. But he doesn't like the word because it has, especially in his time, maybe more than ours, this, this connotation of the celestial bodies determining our actions and the determinism you spoke a minute ago, um, that kind of fate. Uh, he thinks that we should probably not talk that way because that's what our, our audience is going to hear, that there is determinism, there's no free will, the heavenly bodies, when you, at the time of your birth, determine your life outcome and so on. And that he would say, no. If that's what you mean by fate, absolutely not. But doesn't he have some kind of an idea of a hierarchy of being with the higher beings somehow governing the lower beings? Mm -hmm. He does, yes. And for the governance of, say, inanimate creatures that could be strong enough to be fully deterministic. But precisely because he's unwilling to do away with, say, human beings' free will, when he says, okay, human beings are governed in some sense by higher creatures, say by angelic intelligences, he means something like enlightened, um, assisted, and so on, but never in a way that governs deterministically. So it's a, they are guardian angels, help us by illuminating their minds or so forth, but they don't, uh, they don't force us to act. So the kind of governance they would, might have over us would not be the same that, say, uh, we might have over a rock or even a cat or something, what have you. Now, does Thomas address the whole question of theodicy? If God is all-powerful, all-providential, and all-good, how can there be evil? Does he address that, or is that sort of after his time? He does, he does address that. Uh, in Briefly, at least especially in the work I'm reading with my sophomores this semester, the Compendium of Theology, in one sense, his answer is a very traditional answer. It's brief. He says, well, God permits evil for the sake of good. So an answer that many of us are familiar with. Um, that could do with a lot of unpacking, and I have spent at least two full class sessions just, just talking about that recently. But uh, the, the gist of it is, we were talking earlier about how God uses everything to ultimately bring about his last end. And Thomas would say, well, evil things fall into that category. So if there was somehow an evil that couldn't help further God's ultimate end, the good he's trying to bring about, then he wouldn't allow it, is what St. Thomas would say. So the evils that actually occur in the world, in his view, are only ones that somehow are related to bringing about the ultimate good God wants. Of course, uh, as a problem of evil, as we call it, that's um, very abbreviated and it's not always helpful to people who are, like if someone is genuinely suffering and worried about that, that isn't necessarily a practically helpful statement because, well, I can't see how this thing that happened to me here and now, this evil is helping God's further plans. So there's a kind of practical problem of evil, you might say, that might need a different response. But he does address it in a kind of theoretical fashion. You know, I know that in Theology 101, where our 
freshmen read the Old Testament, the question comes up of how God hardens Pharaoh's heart only in the end to punish him and all Egyptians along with him. That rankles the thinking of our students. How does Thomas provide students with some sort of an explanation? Well, that would come back to the point raised earlier about how I was saying Thomas does say that God moves the human will, but he's careful to understand that as always being in accord with the nature of the thing. So, and the nature of the thing is free, so human beings also determine their own wills. So I think if you asked him, Thomas would say, uh, it's true that God moved Pharaoh's will because God is the first cause of everything, including human nature, but uh, he doesn't move the human will in the way that, say, we move a rock or something like that, which is inanimate until something affects it. Um, it's through the nature of the thing. So maybe by way of analogy, I could say, God is the, also the maker of the nature of plants vegetative organisms that grow and reproduce through their own powers. And Thomas would say, well, God is the cause of their growth and their reproduction through their nature. If I somehow have the ability to build a new plant from pure chemicals, right, synthetically in a laboratory, um, maybe that's possible, but it wouldn't be plant reproduction, right? So that would be me imposing the order of a plant on the materials from outside, but only God can do it from within. And Thomas would say that's also how God is in our wills from within. And so just like, just as uh, the growth of the plant is really from itself when God works through his nature. So human choice, including Pharaoh's, is really from free choice. So he would say something like that. And there's maybe more that could, we could add to that, but that's, the I think, the, the gist of it. That God hardens the hard-hearted. Right. You know, Something all, like that. Well, hard, God hard. did it, but Pharaoh did it too. Mm -hmm. And he's to blame for doing it. And in fact... Uh, I, if memory serves, it's been a little bit, but if memory serves, the text itself uses both those phrases. Sometimes it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and sometimes it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Thomas would say, that's exactly right. Both of those are true. How satisfied are the students with Thomas's explanation of providence and how it all fits together? Initially, not very. And the reason, I think, is it's, it's kind of radically new, I think, for our students, as for a lot of Christians, we tend to be brought up with a conception of God that is actually very different from the Thomistic or the classical theistic conception of God. It's, it's more like we think of God as Zeus, only bigger and better. And by that, I mean, he's like a creature. He's just a really powerful creature. And the view that Thomas is giving is actually radically different. They, it's, it's, it's hard to think about something like, what would it mean to say that God acts through the nature of an organism, the initial thought is, well, that must mean he's tinkering with it the way I might tinker with a thing. And, and Thomas is saying, nope, that's thinking of God like a creature. God is very different. So, so initially, it's pretty radical, and some people are disturbed by it. Um, but I, I think the testimony of our upperclassmen later on shows that eventually this is very helpful. If someone wanted to jump into the compendium, how would you advise them? And I say that because I, I read it devotionally. And it was marvelous. Um, well, yeah, I, I guess I would say just just get started. It's 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 intentionally simplified in some ways compared to a number of Thomas's other works. So it's it's it doesn't, for example, deal with as many objections as Summa Theologiae. It does deal with some, but in Summa Theologiae, you have every article has the set of objections it begins with. That doesn't always happen in compendium. So it's kind of more addressed to the kind of person who is going to read it in that more devotional fashion. So. 
Um, we choose it in part in the interest of time. There's just so much to read, and some of his works are very long. Um, but it is the kind of thing one could pick up and read. Much as we'd like to insist that we're in control of our lives and our world, we're not. That fact, however, doesn't keep us from trying. Technology of all sorts attempts to impose controls on the forces of history and the forces of nature, including human nature. This June 4th through 9th, we'll be looking at the challenges of such technologies at Wyoming Catholic College's annual Adult Learning Week, the Wyoming School of Catholic Thought here in Lander, Wyoming. Beginning with the ancient Greeks and with the Old Testament, we'll consider what it means to be human and what it means to trust God's providence in an increasingly technologized world. For more information, visit our website, wyomingcatholic.edu. We'd love to have you come and join us. For Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkwich.